No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where the land of the Shunammite woman is restored, and Elisha prophesies over Syria. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in 2 Kings chapter 8 on Simply the Bible. What does the providence of God mean to you? Today we will see that it can either be a blessing or a curse. It all depends on how we treat God's revelation. We continue today in 2 Kings chapter 8. Then Elisha spoke to the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise and go, you and your household, and stay wherever you can, for the Lord has called for a famine. And furthermore, it will come upon the land for seven years. So the woman arose and did according to the saying of the man of God. And she went with her household and dwelt in the land of the Philistines seven years. The Lord said in the law that if his people disobeyed his commands, then he would withhold rain. Today we hear much about climate change and global warming. There is an effort to reduce carbon emissions. But do we ever consider that God controls the weather? Do we ever stop to think that when there is drought, hurricanes, floods, fires, and earthquakes, that God's hand may be involved? Do we then examine ourselves to see that in God we trust is more than just a slogan on our currency? God brought a seven-year famine to the northern kingdom of Israel because his people had abandoned him to worship Baal. This could have been the famine mentioned in chapter 4 when the sons of the prophets gathered wild vegetables for a pot of stew. Knowing that the famine would last for seven years, Elisha told the Shunammite woman, whose son he had raised from the dead, to leave Israel until the famine was over. She obeyed and lived among the Philistines. There is no mention of her husband either when she left or when she returned, which probably indicates that he was deceased. He was already old when she gave birth to their son. In this, we see God's protection of his people and especially of widows. Psalm 68.5 says, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. There is no insurance policy like trusting in the Lord. For his coverage extends to all situations for all time and for eternity. And you can't beat the premiums. It came to pass at the end of seven years that the woman returned from the land of the Philistines. And she went to make an appeal to the king for her house and for her land. Then the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, please, all the great things Elisha has done. Now it happened as he was telling the king how he had restored the dead to life that there was the woman whose son he had restored to life appealing to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman and this is her son whom Elisha restored to life. 
And when the king asked the woman, she told him. While the woman was on her way to visit the king of Israel, Gehazi, Elisha's servant, was talking with him about all of Elisha's miracles. And just as Gehazi was explaining about him raising the woman's dead son to life, the woman walks in with her son to make her appeal to the king for her land. And Gehazi said, this is the woman I was just telling you about. If you've known the Lord for any length of time, then you probably have your own stories of God's impeccable timing. You see those amazing coincidences, which are God's fingerprint that he is handling your life and schedule. I like what Warren Wiersbe says about this in his commentary on 2 Kings. Our English word providence comes from two Latin words, pro and video, which together mean to see ahead or to see before. God not only knows what lies ahead, but he plans what is to happen in the future and executes his plan perfectly. You see, God knows the end from the beginning. When he sees ahead, he also provides ahead for his loved ones. When our children lived at home, I planned our family vacations. I would see ahead where we were going, where we would stay, what we would do when we got there, how we would eat, and so forth. As a dad, I saw ahead, but I also provided ahead so that my children didn't need to worry about anything. They didn't have to worry where we would stay, how we would eat, or who would pay for it. This was all provided by their father. And so it is with our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Because God sees ahead, He provides ahead for His children. Therefore, it is a waste of time to worry about tomorrow, for our Father in Heaven has it covered. Yes, it's good to do our best to plan and prepare, but then we can rest in peace, trusting in God's providence. So the king appointed a certain officer for her, saying, Restore all that was hers and all the proceeds of the field from the day that she left the land until now. Now, the woman could look back on all the events of her life and see God's gracious hand. When she first showed hospitality to Elisha and then prepared a room for him to stay, when he prophesied that she would have a child and then it happened, And then when her son died and she saw no sense in God giving life and then taking it away. When Elisha then raised him from the dead, when she left Israel because of the famine, not knowing what would happen to her land. When she returned to find Gehazi talking to the king about her. And now the king restoring not only her land, but also the proceeds of seven years worth of crops. God had been working all along. If her son had not died and been raised back to life, then the king never would have heard this story and perhaps would not have been so moved with compassion. All this providence began with her being generous to Elisha. Proverbs 11.25 says, The generous will prosper. Those who refresh, others will themselves be refreshed. And we also know that God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Verse 7, Then Elisha went to Damascus, and Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, was sick. And it was told him, saying, The man of God has come here. And the king said to Hazael, Take a present in your hand, and go to meet the man of God, and inquire of the Lord by him, saying, Shall I recover from this disease? 
So Hazael went to meet him and took a present with him of every good thing of Damascus, 40 camel loads. And he came and stood before him and said, Your son, Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, has sent me to you, saying, Shall I recover from this disease? Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, had an interesting connection with Elisha. He had sent his servant Naaman, who was a leper, to Elisha, and Elisha had healed him. Now he was sick enough to worry if he would recover. He heard that Elisha had come to his city of Damascus, so he sent his servant Hazael with an enormous gift to ask him if he would recover. Probably he hoped that Elisha would heal him as he had healed Naaman. Now years before when Elijah fled from Jezebel to Mount Sinai, the Lord told him to anoint Hazael as king of Syria, but we have no record that he ever did that. Perhaps he left the job with Elisha, which would explain why Elisha went to Damascus. And Elisha said to him, Go say to him, You shall certainly recover. However, the Lord has shown me that he will really die. The Hebrew is ambiguous here. It is as though Elisha said, The king's sickness is not terminal, but his life will soon be terminated. Then Elisha set his countenance in a stare until Hazael was ashamed. And the man of God wept. And Hazael said, Why is my Lord weeping? He answered, Because I know the evil that you will do to the children of Israel. Their strongholds you will set on fire, and their young men you will kill with a sword, and you will dash their children and rip open their women with child. Elisha stared at Hazael as though to look right through him. He was seeing into the future all the terrible things Hazael would do to the people of Israel. And Elisha wept. So Hazael said, But what is your servant, a dog, that he should do this gross thing? And Elisha answered, The Lord has shown me that you will become king over Syria. In calling himself a dog, Hazael wasn't referring to his vicious nature, but rather that he was a nobody, a servant without such authority. But Elisha told him that he would soon become king. Perhaps Elisha anointed him at this point, although we are not told that. Then Hazael departed from Elisha and came to his master who said to him, What did Elisha say to you? And he answered, He told me you would surely recover. But it happened on the next day that he took a thick cloth and dipped it in water and spread it over his face so that he died, and Hazael reigned in his place. What was going through Hazael's mind? Perhaps once Elisha told him that he would be king, he couldn't shake it. Maybe he thought that since Ben-Hadad was sick and the prophet said he would die anyway, that he would just hasten the process. He didn't waste any time. The next day he took a thick cloth, dipped it in water, and suffocated his king. The fact that he reigned in his place tells us that he was probably the prime minister. The human heart is amazing in its ability to justify its actions. Solomon wrote, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs and tries the hearts. And Jeremiah said, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Already, Hazael was demonstrating the murderous brutality that dwelt in his heart. This would come to full maturity in his treatment of Israel, which Elisha prophesied. 
So was Elisha at fault in telling Hazael these things and giving Hazael the excuse to go ahead and murder his king? No, because Elisha was just showing Hazael what was already in his heart and what he was going to do. God's foreknowledge is not foreordination. In other words, just because God knows something in advance and may reveal it, it doesn't mean that he causes it. It also doesn't mean that he violates a person's free moral agency. Hazael exercised his right to choose how he would handle the situation. He could have been like David and waited for God to deliver the kingdom over to him. When it was in David's power to do Saul harm, he wouldn't lift his hand against the Lord's anointed. David chose to wait on the Lord, and David was known as a man after God's own heart. Hazael, on the other hand, didn't wait for God to do it. He took matters into his own hands and proved himself to be a murderer. Whether to bless, as in the case of the Shunammite woman, or to announce the revolt of Hazael and the murder of Ben-Hadad, God showed that he is the one who sees ahead. That is his providence, whether it means a blessing or a curse. Those who trust in him and do his will can expect blessing, but those who reject him and disobey his commandments can expect a curse. The same providence bestows one or the other. In all these things, we can count on God to always be faithful to his word. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Next week, we'll see where Jehoram reigns in Judah but is an evil king as is his son, Ahaziah. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 2 Kings on Simply the Bible.